it seems like people are making confessions. And we've stood here, I've listened to Ari and Pastor Senny, and um, I too have a confession. The Bible says that if you confess your faults before men and pray for one another, that he will heal you. I need healing in my house. I need accountability in my house. And this morning, I got about, I don't know, maybe about 150 people to hold me accountable. So the rest of you, I'm looking for you to hold me accountable. So the thing that I want to disclose today is that I have gotten so busy in all the things that I have been doing that I have neglected to give my husband a nice, warm, balanced meal on a consistent basis. (laughs) For some of you, that might seem so trivial, but for a man (laughs) in a marriage, how many married folks I got in here today? That is most important. And when we were just coming back together in the 1980s, when uh, we were separated for a point of time in our lives because of things that happened. And um, when I came back to him, One of the things that the Lord said to me is make sure he leaves the house with a full stomach. And that's, you know, natural, but God was able to sustain him. He said he needs to leave the house satisfied, right? And so I started doing that. I don't care what it was, whether it was grits or it was a peanut butter and jelly sandwich or some fried eggs or pancakes or this thing that I make called rhino hides. It's a German oven pancake, which he loves. You know, I found out all the things that he loved, and I made sure that he left the house every single morning full and satisfied. So pray for me. Don't judge me. Pray for me. The Bible says, pray for one another that you might be healed. A balanced meal is what he's asking for. That's the simple thing that I can do, just work it in my schedule and put him in, make sure it happens. It's nothing but um, protein, carbohydrates, and vegetables, right? That is, those portions will make a balanced meal. Certain conditions such as diabetes, heart disease, stroke, or problems with your vision, your thyroid, your nervous system, or your blood vessels, can cause dizziness and as well as problems with your balance. Now, Pastor Lenny doesn't have any of those. Thank God. Thank God. Let me say that again. Thank God because I'm going to fix him some balanced meals. So balance is the ability to distribute your weight in a way that lets you stand or move without falling. And even if you fall the way God designed us, depending on if you break something or not, you're able to recover from the fall, right? Have you ever noticed how when people fall, they get up and when they, uh, they get up so quickly because has anybody ever fallen? You don't want anybody to see you. You jump up and you act like nothing ever happened, but you know, you fell, you know, good and well, you just fell. So we move our heads and we look to see. So when we first bought our house, the house that we're living in now, it seemed like I was always falling down the stairs. We have a rug on our stairwell and um, it's, and I'm rushing all the time, no shoes. 
first thing in the morning, you get up, I'm running downstairs to help with the dog. And I'm, I kid you not, I was tumbling down those stairs, boom, 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 several times. And Pastor Lenny was screaming from upstairs and saying, are you all right? And I'm like, I'm sitting on the stairs in pain. And I'm saying, yeah, I'm all right. But I'm thinking to myself, why do I keep falling down these stairs? And then one day I was leaving outside the house and boom, I fell down the stairs, broke my um, heel on my shoe. And um, I think, honestly, it had something to do with equilibrium. And when you get a little older, <laughs> things change. But good balance requires the coordination of several parts of the body. The central nervous system, our inner ear, our eyes, our muscles, our bones and joints, problems with any one of these can cause and affect our balance. Who of us here today have not struggled with balance in our daily lives? What parent has not struggled with juggling a career, marriage, our children, and then we have our extended family. They want you to be a part of their lives, our church family, and even our finances. What one of us have not struggled with any one of those issues? None of us can say that we've cruised through life knowing exactly what to do at any stage of our life. High school, for me, my freshman year, I got suspended nine times in one year. I know, that's bad. My mother was up at the school nine times. But the problem was, is that I had no balance. I had no direction. I, I didn't know who I was. I was hanging in the halls. I got bused to school, so there was no reason for me to be late for the first class. Skipped it. But I didn't have direction. I didn't have any kind of um, direction in my life. All of us have fallen and made mistakes at some point in time in our lives, throughout the course of our lives. But thank God, it's not how many times you fall, it's how many times you get back up. With intention of staying up. Proverbs 24, 16 through 8 says, For the righteous falls seven times and rises again, but the wicked stumble in times of calamity. There's a difference. In the Bible, the book of Job, the oldest book in the Bible, begins with an introduction of Job's character. The Lord describes Job as a blessed man who lives righteously. The Lord's praise prompts Satan, the adversary, to suggest that Job only served you, God, because you blessed him, because you protected him. But to prove the devil wrong, God removes the protection and gives him permission to take Job's family, his wealth, and his health. But he told me, you better not touch his life. Despite his difficult circumstances, Job does not curse God because he was an upright man. But rather, he curses the day that he was born. Job debates with his three friends, you know, those friends, Bildad, Zophar, and Eliphaz, concerning his condition. They argued whether it was justified, and they tried to give Job a solution to his own problem. 
Sometimes we don't need the solution. <laughs> we just need somebody to listen. Somebody to pray. Somebody to trust God with us. Somebody to believe in us. Somebody to stand with us. Even when everything looks like it's the total, complete opposite. Has anybody ever gone through something and all your friends leave you? Abandon you? Reject you? Job ultimately condemns all of their counsel, all of their beliefs, and critiques of him as false. In a whirlwind, finally, God shows up. And he talks to Job's friends. And you know what he tells them? Repent. <laughs> because what you're saying about Job is not true. Isn't it wonderful to be able to have God back you up? Woo! Thank you, Lord. Especially when you know you're not wrong. <laughs> the truth always rises to the top. In the end, God rebukes them. Following that, Job was restored. After all that he went through, he declared that I'm going to wait until my change comes. Because I know that my Redeemer lives. Our key verse today is found in Job, Job 31 and 6. It says, let me be weighed. This is Job speaking after all that he's been through. All his friends, even his wife. Oh, you need to just curse God and die. No godly counsel. The scripture says, let me be weighed. Job says, let me be weighed in a just balance and let God know my integrity. Job looks throughout his life and concludes that if you put his righteousness on a scale, how he treats his family, how he treats his fellow man, how he honors God, he is saying, put my integrity toward man on one side of the scale versus the integrity that I have toward God on the other side of the scale, and the weight of both would be a balanced evenly. Because he knew he was not wrong. Job 1.1 says, there was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job, and that man was blameless and upright, and one who feared God and shunned evil. The book of Job begins and ends with a balanced display of Job's integrity toward God and his fellow man. The title that I want to leave today is Balancing a Set-Apart Life. Let's say that. Balancing a Set-Apart Life. Now, the Set-Apart series that Pastor Lewis has been preaching and teaching on for the last four weeks, and Pastor David, he, he taught one of the weeks about breaking the cycle of secrecy. Amazing. And I don't know about you, but I've gone to a whole nother level in my walk with the Lord through this one series. Can anybody agree on that? So he very clearly taught us what set-apart means. He said it means to be made holy. He said it's not religion that makes you work for it. It's relationship that causes you to walk in it. Let me say that again. It's not religion that makes you work for it. 
It's relationship that causes you to walk in it. Has anybody ever heard of Charles Spurgeon? Good. He was a Baptist preacher in the 1800s. And this is a quote that he made, which goes along with the topic today. It says, there are two great lessons which every man must learn and learn by experience before he can be a Christian. First, he must learn that sin is an exceeding great and evil thing. And he must learn also that the blood of Christ is an exceedingly precious thing and is able to save unto the utmost him that comes to him. Wow. Point number one, you have all you need to live a balanced life in Christ. Holiness is not something you achieve. It comes by way of something you receive. Let me say that again. Holiness is not something you achieve. It comes by way of something you receive. Romans 5.17 is a verse that changed my life forever. It says, for if by... If because of one man's trespasses, death reigned through the one man, how much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? So through Adam, we entered into sin. Through Jesus, we enter into salvation. Through Adam, the fellowship was broken. Through Jesus, the fellowship was reunited and reconciled. Through Adam, we were born into sin. Through Jesus, we were born into salvation. So our focus shouldn't be on the Adam nature. The focus needs to be on the Christ nature. How about that? Because we are no longer we don't associate with Adam, we associate with Jesus. And in Christ, we are able to overcome everything that we go through. Right? So this scripture, if the devil could put it on you through Adam, Jesus can take it off of you through the power of the blood of Christ. So there is nothing that you're going through today that Jesus has not already paid the price for you not to be able to go through. That's why we got to preach the good news of the gospel that God is not condemning man. He already put every sin that we ever did or ever will commit on the cross, in the body, in the sacrificial blood of Jesus Christ. He paid the price for our sins. So that's why we don't need to associate with our Adamic nature. We need to associate with our Christ nature, which comes from the inside. Ephesians 4.24 says, you put on the new man, which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. Righteousness is what happened to you when you were born again. You were placed in position in the kingdom of God. You were made righteous when you made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life. He provided right standing with God for you at the cross. Holiness is a decision of your will. It is what you choose to do because of your righteousness, your right standing with God. 
Righteous people do holy things. <laughs> Righteous people are set apart for God's use. Job was an upright man. And that was the Old Testament version. We're living under the whole nother better covenant. Upon better promises through the blood of Jesus and the power and the authority of God. Second Peter 1 3 says his divine nature, his divine power has granted to us all the things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desires. That's powerful. It is your conduct, living according to God's commandments. In short, holiness is doing those things that please him because you get his new nature and now you begin to walk in the newness of Christ. It's what you do with your time and your action. That's holiness set apart to do the will of God. It is living to please God. And most of all, it bears fruit. He said, we will know them by the fruit that you bear. Right? He said, if you, um, let me just not get ahead of him. Your spirit man is made new, but the soulish realm is being transformed into the image of Christ on a daily basis. There are some things in your soulish realm that need to be set apart. You know, you gotta, we call it, um, I've learned soul care. That's an amazing deliverance program that I think every single person, thank God it was brought to Citywide Church, Pastor Cindy, and um, soul care. That's why we need soul care because there are still some things in your soul. You got saved, but maybe you still have some tendencies that you need to deal with, that you need to sanctify and have them set apart or separate from them. Sever yourself from them. And maybe you're not able to do that, but that's why the people of God are here. The leaders and the elders and the pastors and all of the ministers are here to help you join forces with you because there are some things that we need help with. We do. I remember when I went to the altar, my mother called this woman to the church. And I know I'm always telling this story, but it's my story. And I'm going to tell you, God set me free for some, from some deep, dark stuff. But she needed help. She knew she couldn't do it. She would come in my room at night, pray. She did everything she knew to do. But she called this evangelist to the church on Wednesday night. It was probably just four or five of us in the whole church, which is a little church on 1532 Seaview Avenue. And, um, I just sat there and listened. It was after my little excursion of going out with my friends, skipping school, and um, I got arrested. And uh, when I saw the look on my mother's face, I said, God, she never said a word. She picked me up from that Congress street. <laughs> Let me see. That, that's all it took for me, y'all. <laughs> that's all it took. <laughs> she picked me up. She just looked at me and I felt like she was saying, if I had the money, I would have bought you the blouse. Not that 
you should have been in school, you da-da-da-da-da. She just took it out on herself. And I said to myself, I will never disappoint her again. I, that'll never happen again. She didn't have to say a word. But she had to get some help from me. When that woman came, she preached under the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And I have never been the same again. I was 15 years old and I've never been the same again. He has followed me every step of the way. No matter where I tried to go, he's followed and kept me on the straight and narrow. His love is, he will, he will chase you. Anybody know about that? <laughs> you ain't going nowhere when he claims you. <laughs> I'm telling you, I could be trying to run from him. I remember one time going just different places, just voices would say, you don't belong here. And I'm like, oh my God. It was just, it was, it was, it was, it was tormenting to try to run from God. <laughs> kind of like um, Jonah, right? <sighs> Amen. So how much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? Hebrews 12 and 1 says, Therefore, seeing we are encompassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin that which so easily besets us. And let us run the race with patience, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. So it's about laying aside the weight from our soulish realm. Point number two says the weight of sin will always tip the scale. The weight of sin, there will never be balance as long as there's sin. This Christian life is all about living in the balance of faith, grace, and holiness. The three are essential ingredients to balancing a set-apart life. Faith brings you into the kingdom, for by grace are you saved through faith. Grace empowers you to rule and reign. That's the promise in Romans 5, 17, in the kingdom. Holiness is how you walk out the grace that you received for kingdom living. Amen? So throughout church history, false teaching and false doctrine has caused the scale to tip. And many people will say quotes like this. I'm not going to church because those people are hypocrites. How many of us have said that? I don't want to do, have nothing to do with them because look at the pastor. Look at, look at this and look what's happening. Well, it's true. Some things happen that should not happen. But that's because they're not living in the balance of grace, faith, and holiness. So it doesn't give us any excuse not to come to God. It ought to give us the all more excuse to come to God, to find out who he is because of who he is in your life and not based on what you see in someone else's life. From the apostles in the first century church, to where we are now in the 21st century church. The Bible says that the just shall live by faith. And of course, there has been some erroneous teaching that makes us think that the, the just shall, that, I'm sorry, the Bible says that the just shall live by faith, not that we should get rich by faith. Because how many of you remember the name it and claim it 
error in the church. When it was about getting a car, how many cars you had or how many houses you could have. Anybody? I guess I'm alone here. Yeah. Raise your hand. Come on. I want to see where I am. And, uh, you know, faith this and faith that. Uh, Although God wants us to be well off and we, I say, I only need enough to fulfill the call of God upon my life. I don't need um, this big, beautiful, whatever, Rolls Royce, because that has nothing to do with the call of God on my life. I don't need to prove that I'm rich. I know that I'm rich. It's not based on how much money I have in the bank and how many cars I have. It's based on my relationship and knowing who I am in Christ. So whether you have $5 or $5 million in the bank, you ought to be settled in God. The Bible says that the just shall live by faith, not get rich by faith. Grace is meant to empower you to overcome sin, not give you a reason to sin. Another error in the church. Oh, God's grace will cover it. You know, it's under the blood. No, it's not under the blood. (laughs) He said, you got to confess your sins. He is faithful and just to forgive you from your sins and then cleanse you from all unrighteousness. And then he will place you back in right standing with him. Holiness is not a denomination, but a declaration of a victorious life in Christ. Let me say that again. Holiness is not a denomination. It's a man-made word for a group of people which came out of the Azusa Street Revival in um, the early um, 1800s, but it's not a denomination. We have all kinds of denominations, interpretations of the Bible, but there is only one Bible. There is one inspired word of God. And so unless what we're doing lines up with what he is saying, holiness is not a denomination, but it's a declaration of a victorious life in Christ. It is our way of declaring our love for Christ. Because he said, if you love me, Jesus said, you will keep my commandments. Not because they're burdensome, not because it's a hard thing, but because you love me. Because you want to do the things that are pleasing in my sight. Not because it's so good for me, but it's truthfully good for us. In order for the church of the Lord Jesus Christ to be healthy and balanced, It requires that every single member not only be involved in the process of keeping a balanced church, but also involved in your own personal spiritual growth. We all have the responsibility of keeping the church pure. Last week, Pastor Lewis talked about how, um, you know, we're, we're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. That royal priesthood, he said, is not just for us, but it's we, us, as the body of Christ. So we have a responsibility as a part of the body of Christ to keep the church pure. Sin is and always will be an opposing force to a consecrated, set-apart life, and it will never bring equal librium. Because equal librium is a state in which opposing forces or influences are balanced. Galatians 5.17 proves it. 
It says, for the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another that you do not do the things that you wish. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. The scripture goes on to tell us what the works of the law are. Balancing a set apart life requires that you have certain qualities on your scale. For 2 Peter 3, 5, 10 says, for this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue and virtue with knowledge and knowledge with self-control and self-control with steadfastness and steadfastness with godliness and godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. For if you practice these qualities, look at this. It says, you will never fall. Wow. Look at the promise. Look at the word. Look at the expectation. You don't have to tip the scale with, with sin when you're operating in these qualities. The Bible says that the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. I want to close with the story of Martha and Mary. One day, Jesus went to Martha and Mary's house. Martha was getting things ready. As usual, cooking. I'm sure Jesus, it wasn't the first time that he was at their house. They were friends with their brother Lazarus as well. He was very close to Lazarus. But Martha was getting the food ready and going about doing the things that she thought she needed to do. But Mary decided that she was going to sit at the feet of Jesus. The scripture says, now as they went in their way, Jesus entered a village and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had her sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. Maybe you haven't been having a problem or maybe you have been having a problem with sin and you keep on consistently tipping the scale because sin is encroaching in your set apart life. I believe that the Lord is saying today that your good portion is here. Your good portion is waiting. Mary sat at the feet of Jesus and Jesus said, Mary has chosen the good portion. 
Choosing point number three, choosing the good portion weighs throughout eternity. Mary chose an eternal portion. Martha chose to handle the natural stuff. Living the role of Mary is essential to our eternal purpose. It's essential to our spiritual growth here on earth. But how many of us know there is no way we can live on this earth without being Martha too? Turn and tell somebody, I want to be Mary, but I need to be Martha too. How do I balance between being Martha, who worked tirelessly to accommodate Jesus' natural needs, while Mary sat at the feet of Jesus receiving divine revelation? Martha got mad. Some of you are here today, and you say, you know what? I am Martha. I'm trying to be Mary, but I'm Martha. How many of you know the kids need attending, right? The lawn has to be mowed. Somebody's got to go to work and bring home a paycheck. Who's going to cook the food? Who's going to clean the house? Who's going to pick up the kids from wherever they got to be picked up from? And they always got to be picked up and taken somewhere. Who's going to mop the floor? <laughs> Who's going to take the dogs out? Who's going to change the beds? <laughs> Who's going to vacuum the floor? <laughs> How do I balance between being Martha when I need to be Mary too? Jesus said, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. It is necessary for us to spend time at the feet of Jesus. It's where the inner man is renewed day by day. It's where we get direction to know where to go left or right. It's where, we, where God reveals himself and we develop the personal relationship that we desire with Jesus Christ. It's where we learn how to love God and we get the secrets of his heart. It's where our desires become his desires and it's where we are filled with the Holy Spirit. Stand to your feet, if you will. We are filled with the Holy Spirit. In the archaic sense of the word portion, it means a person's destiny or lot. What is your destiny? What is your portion? Mary chose the eternal portion. Every last one of us have to have a balance between the two. And you might be saying, well, you know what, Pastor Mary, I really don't have a balance. <laughs> And I'm too busy, for the most part, to even spend time with the Lord. And, um, and every time I try to do it, one of the kids are knocking at the door. Or something else distracts me. Somebody is texting me. Or I got to go do something for the church. Or I got to go do something for somebody else. Or I got to go to work. 
So if we're all honest with ourselves, we could say that our Mary experience is minimal. I don't know how long Mary spent at the feet of Jesus, but one moment <laughs> at the feet of Jesus is worth more than anything that we don't do when we don't put our heart and our mind on him. So we may not get to spend an hour a day with him at his feet. We may not have all the time that we think we ought to have and we have these great high expectations. One, five minutes with Jesus will change your life, the whole trajectory of your life. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. And we have a good heavenly father. He is not coming to condemn us, but he's coming to bless us. And he told us to come boldly to the throne of grace, to obtain mercy and grace at the time of need. So whenever you get the opportunity to be merry, be merry. But when you got to be Martha, be Martha. And if you're somebody that can um, multitask, you being Mary and Martha at the same time, I was thinking, Martha, all you had to do is put your ear over here and you would have heard everything that Jesus said. The rooms couldn't have been that big. Right? So sometimes we got to multitask while we're driving. We're singing. We're singing before the Lord. But while we're walking, doing our exercise, we're getting our praise on and we're allowing the Holy Spirit to minister to us. We got to, we know how to multitask. We know how to do it. So don't walk around with condemnation because the enemy will use that as a foothold to bring judgment and to bring you down. But I'm here to let you know that your father's arms are always wide open and waiting for you to come, to come at his feet and receive what he has. Never go before the father feeling condemned because you didn't um, put in so many hours or time. So God is saying, come to me. I want you to come. I have what you need. There is stability with him. We have all we need to live a balanced life in Christ. The weight of sin will always tip the scale and choosing the good portion weighs throughout eternity. Jesus said, the words that I speak, they are spirit and life. All you need is one word from Jesus. One word. So whenever you get the time, listen. Let him fill you. The living word brings you back into sync with your creator. It gives you the grace to rule and reign in life. Jesus is here to give you your portion today. And he's not here to condemn you. But he's here to lift you up. He's here to lift you up. Your portion is his eternal word. God wants to reveal more of him at his feet. May the altar workers come. Hallelujah.
It's not hard to live a balanced, set-apart life because we have all the things that we need. He's, he hasn't left us empty, but he's given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. So you might be here today and you've been trying to get this thing right. And you say, you know what? <sighs> I thought I had to do this and I thought I had to do that. And I thought, I, I mean, coming to church is a good thing. It's a great thing. It's a part of what, what the scripture says, forsake not the assembling together of yourself, which means come to church on Sunday, come to church when the doors are open so that you can have fellowship and get encouragement and get the peace of God. But some of us have been walking around with condemnation because we haven't measured up or we don't have that balanced life. And I talked about how sometimes we need someone to touch and agree with us because we have been tipping the scale over and over and over again. But that's not the will of God for you. The will of God for you is that you rule and reign in this life as a child of the most high God. How many children of God do we have in here today? Jesus came that you would rule and reign. The devil came to kill, steal, and destroy. But Jesus said, I have come to give you life and to give it to you more abundantly. So with every head bowed, I want you to just think. Do you want that victorious life in Christ? Do you want to be able to be an overcomer, the overcomer that he promised? Or are you still identifying with the academic nature, which is sin and death. It's time that you begin to identify with who you are in Christ, which is life and peace. And that's the promise of God for you. That's what God has for us. So with every head bowed, I want you to just raise your hand. If you need prayer today and you need someone to touch and agree with you, while the altar ministry sings, just, just raise your hand right now. As every head is bowed, there's one. I see your hand. I see your hand. I see your hand. I see your hand. This, I wouldn't hold back because Jesus paid it all already. So the greatest news to the sinner is that you don't have to live in sin anymore. You don't have to be bound by sin anymore because Jesus came and broke the chains already. You don't have to be bound by drugs. You don't have to be bound by depression. You don't because that's the endemic nature. But now you are a new creature in Christ and you can be free. So come now, if you will, come to the feet of Jesus to receive your portion, your eternal portion. Maybe you need to give your heart to the Lord today. Come and receive your eternal portion that Jesus died for you to have. I wouldn't leave this place today without coming and receiving your eternal portion that'll help you live that balanced life in Christ. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father.